0: Our scripture reading this evening is taken from the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, and we're taking a reading from chapter 28 and a reading from chapter 29 and a very brief reading from chapter 32. It's introducing us to Hezekiah, but also reminding us of what happened before his day in the evil reign of Ahaz. So 2 Chronicles chapter 28, and we'll begin at verse 19, to the end of that chapter, and then the first 11 verses of 29, and then a couple of verses from 32. Second Chronicles chapter 28, and reading from verse 19, let us hear the word of the Lord. For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he had made Judah act sinfully and had been very unfaithful to the Lord. So Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. For Ahaz took a portion from the house of the Lord and the house of the king and of the princes and gave tribute to the king of assyria but it did not help him in the time of his distress he became yet more faithless to the lord this same king ahaz for he sacrificed to the gods of damascus that had defeated him and said Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him, and of all Israel. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God, and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God. And he shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and he made himself altars, in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah he made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking to anger the Lord, the God of his fathers. Now, the rest of his acts and all his ways, from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Ahaz slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city in Jerusalem. For they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah his son reigned in his place. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David, his father, had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful, and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule, and put out the lamps. And have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the to the God of Israel therefore the wrath of the Lord came on Judah and Jerusalem and he has made them an object of horror of astonishment and of hissing as you see with your own eyes for behold our fathers have fallen by the sword And our sons and our daughters and our wives are in in captivity for this. Now, it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce anger may turn away from us. My sons, do not now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him and to be his ministers and to make offerings to him. And then we move over to chapter 32 and the last uh, two verses. Chapter 32 and the last verses. Now the rest of the Acts of Hezekiah and his good deeds. Behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper part of the tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did him honor at his death and manasseh his son reigned in his place amen so reads god's holy word i'll well, turn with me again to a uh, uh, book of second chronicles and you'll find our text in chapter 31 uh, and we'll come to it uh, in a moment second chronicles 31 20 and 21 which in many ways sum up the life of hezekiah many will have been saying to you recently uh, or even today a happy and prosperous new year Uh, and you may have said something similar in response people wishing you well for the future but have you ever stopped to think about what will make 2024 a happy and successful year for you and what will make 2024 a blessed year for you and for this congregation? Well, Second Chronicles 31, 20 and 21, our text for this evening, I believe, supplies the answer. It's about Hezekiah. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And every work he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. These verses tell us about Hezekiah, one of the faithful kings in the line of David. He was not a perfect king. That king would come later that perfect king is jesus christ he lived and died and rose again for the salvation of his people hezekiah succeeded his father ahaz and reigned in judah for 29 years his father ahaz had been a very wicked king as indeed we read in chapter 28 verse 25 that verse reads In every city of Judah, he made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking to anger the Lord, the God of his fathers. God's anger against Ahaz was shown in the battlefield when the Syrians killed 120,000 men of Judah in one day. What a slaughter. Chapter 28, verse 6 tells us why. It's because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. And if you'd been living during Ahaz's reign, you might have been tempted to give way to despondency, even despair. But we should never become melancholy, no matter how dark and difficult our spiritual culture may appear. Just over 84 years ago, war was declared against Germany. The Prime Minister at the time, Neville Chamberlain, was very despondent because Britain was ill-prepared for war. The situation looked bleak. However, eight months later, Winston Churchill became Prime Minister. And the genius of Churchill's leadership was that he never gave way to despair. And as you worship in this building against the background of hostility to Christianity in the United Kingdom, you have greater reason for optimism than Churchill. He had absolutely no guarantee of victory. But in the spiritual battle that rages today, in our 21st century world, we, as the people of God, have the absolute guarantee of a glorious victory. First Corinthians 15, verse 25, For he, the captain of our salvation, he, Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. In that sense, we know the end from the beginning. The six nations rugby tournament is about to begin in a few weeks and occasionally an irish match is played on the lord's day i record it and watch it whenever convenient on the monday but usually even though i try to avoid it i know the result before i watch the match and say ireland has won and as i watch the match by half time, Ireland is being badly beaten. But I'm not downhearted. I'm not despondent because I know. I know they're going to win. I know the outcome before uh, I, uh, the end of the match. And in the spiritual battle, we too know the outcome. We may be at half time and it looks as if the world is gaining the upper hand. But Christ and his people will be victorious. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Hezekiah faced overwhelming odds in the spiritual and military battles he faced. Yet he gained the victory because God was with him. And as we look at Hezekiah this evening, we see a pointer to Jesus Christ. Hezekiah was not the messianic king, but his life would remind the faithful Jews of the promised one, of the perfect king who would come to, to this earth to live and to die and to rise again, to save his people from the enemy and then reign with them forever. So first of all, we note about Hezekiah. He was a man of faith. Hezekiah, a man of faith. Well, how do we determine this from the text? Well, it's from a simple personal pronoun at the end of verse 20. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his god before the lord his god hezekiah had a personal relationship with the lord god almighty this is explicitly stated in 2 kings chapter 18 and verse 5 he trusted in the lord the god of israel mean that he trusted in the lord well there are three words in the english language that are very similar in meaning the word trust and the word faith and the word believe so when it says that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord it means that he believed in God it means that he had faith in God and when it says that he believed it it related to three things first of all Hezekiah believed that God existed. There was a time in these islands when the existence of God was widely recognised. Not to believe in God Almighty was considered to be absurd, was considered to be illogical, was considered to be irrational. Sadly, the situation now is so very different. To believe in God today In our 21st century world is considered foolish. To believe in God as the creator of all things and as the judge of all men is considered absurd. To believe in a sovereign God who providentially works out all things for his glory is considered illogical. Do you believe that God exists? I think uh, all of you would answer yes. Even though the people with whom you work or the people uh, around you uh, from Monday to Friday uh, may consider your answer to be irrational and absurd and illogically. But in your heart you know that there is a God. There is a God in heaven who is exercising his rule on earth. However, to believe in God means more than mere belief in the existence of God. Hezekiah also believed God's word. In the 18th and 19th century many people believed in the existence of God, but that is as far as it went. They were called deists. But to truly believe in God, you must believe his word. And you must take God at his word as Hezekiah did. For as we discover in 2nd Chronicles, in chapters 29, 30, and 31, the religious life of Judah underwent a major reformation, consistent with God's word. And that was all at the instigation of Hezekiah. 2 Kings 18, verses 5 to 7. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, after him, nor among those who were before him. For... He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him wherever he went uh, and prospered. So, faith in God means that there is belief in the existence of God. It means that there is belief in the Word of God. But, thirdly, it also means belief that God saves. That God saves. Hezekiah believed that God saved him. He was not a perfect man, he was a sinner and needed a saviour. Hezekiah trusted the Lord to save him from the penalty that his sins deserved. And we see evidence of this in the words he penned after recovering from a life threatening illness. And this is actually found in the book of Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 17. But in love you have delivered, he's speaking to the Lord, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction for you have cast all my sins behind your back saved from the punishment that sin deserved. So Hezekiah was a man of faith. Could it be said of you that you are a person of faith, that you believe in God's existence, that you believe in God's word, and that you believe in God's salvation? Will it be said of you as you live through the year 2024 that, that you are a man, a woman, a young person of faith? You will meet many challenges that will confront your faith, that will mock your faith, that will even ridicule your faith, just as Hezekiah did. But Hezekiah persevered, and so must you. And in doing so, you will know the blessing of the Lord. So Hezekiah, a man of faith. Secondly, Hezekiah, a man of obedience. Hezekiah, a man of obedience. You're saved by faith alone. But as John Calvin, the reformer, rightly pointed out, the faith that saves is never alone, but is always accompanied by a life of new obedience. And that point is well illustrated in the life of Hezekiah. Chapters 29 to 31 of Second Chronicles describe in detail Hezekiah's reforms especially in relation to the worship of God. And her text gives us a summary of that. Verse 20, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. Or verse 21, And every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments... Now, Hezekiah got off to a very bad start in life. As I have said, his father Ahaz was a very, very wicked man. But thankfully, and only by the grace of God, Hezekiah did not model his life after his father. The grace of God touched Hezekiah and changed him and throughout his life he trusted the Lord and sought to honour the Lord in an obedient life. We read of Hezekiah in 2 Kings verse 18, verse 6, chapter 18 and verse 6, For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. His reforms regarding worship are recorded for us in the chapters leading up to our text. And we read in our text, uh, verse 21, and every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments. So uh, worship was reformed according to God's decree. All the innovations brought in by wicked King Ahaz were abolished and the worship instituted by God through Moses was restored. The people in Ahaz's day were even led by Ahaz to worship the false gods of the surrounding nations. 2 Chronicles 28 verse 25 In every city of Judah he, Ahaz, made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking to anger the Lord the God of his fathers. So he was clearly flighting the clearly revealed will of God. The will of God stated in Deuteronomy 12, before they had left the wilderness, before they had entered Canaan, God spoke to them uh, through Moses and said to them, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. So they had been warned. And we have been warned. Within the Christian church, we know who we worship the God of creation, the God of providence, the God of redemption the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What then about how we are to worship God? Sadly, in many churches it appears that the vital area of how God is to be worshipped has been forgotten or blatantly ignored. Jesus said about the scribes and Pharisees, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Could that not be said about many churches today? In many places of worship it seems that anything goes. Entertainment replacing reverent and solemn devotion. The worship being more mad-centred than God-centred. Does it matter what happens in churches across the nation? Well, yes, it does. It does because the big picture can be very influential. And the pressure to conform to what's going on around us can be immense. To a greater or lesser extent, we all conform to cultural norms. With respect to clothes and with respect to fitwear, men and women and young people want to wear what is in fashion, what is popular. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it is consistent with modesty and with prudence. However, conforming to fashion in the spiritual realm is extremely dangerous we need to recognise that subtle pressures are being put on God's people upon believers to conform to the latest spiritual fads. Often the justification for disregarding God's will with respect to worship is couched in the words but, but sure other Christians have no quibbles with that. There is pressure to conform because of what the many are doing. With regard to the Sabbath, with regard to marriage, and with regard to worship, and so on. The problem is that that many Christians are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking, or they should not be asking, what are other Christians doing? Rather, they should be asking, what does God say in His Word? That was the question Hezekiah asked. And they found the answer and responded obediently. 2 Kings 18 verse 6. Hezekiah kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. He went all the way back to Deuteronomy. And there he found the answers to how God was to be worshipped. And he put it into practice. And led his people to do the same. Now we claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our saviour who gave his life on the cross. To save us from the punishment that our sins deserve. We claim to love him. Always remember what he said to his disciples. And what he says to you and me tonight. If you love me. You will keep my commands. Obedience to the Lord tends to be unfashionable in the 21st century. It was also unfashionable in Hezekiah's day. But Hezekiah took his cue, not from the world around him, but from the Lord God Almighty above him. And God is calling you and me to do the same. Hezekiah, a man of faith, Hezekiah, a man of obedience, and then thirdly, Hezekiah, a man of zeal, a man of zeal. We're told in verse 20 how Hezekiah went about his work. He did it with all his heart. Paul, writing to the Colossians, said, whatever you do, work heartily, or work at it with all your heart. As for the Lord, and not for men. If someone is working for you, cleaning your windows, servicing your car, checking your health, you appreciate the person who is zealous, who is meticulous, who is wholehearted, who is thorough. That's what Hezekiah was like a man of zeal. There were no half measures with him. He recognised that if a job was worth doing, it was worth doing well. (coughs) And We must carry that kind of attitude with us into our service for others and into our worship of the Lord. I'm sure you've possibly been to worship services where the singing has been lethargic. And pathetic. Not because it was necessarily unsinful, but because people weren't in it, heart and soul. No energy, no enthusiasm, no zeal displayed in the praise. Remember what our Lord said about the lukewarm members of the church at Laodicea. I will spit you out of my mouth nothing lukewarm about Hezekiah. Resolve then that there will be nothing lukewarm about your worship, about your praise, about your service to the Lord, about your giving, about your witness to the Lord here in Trinity. Hezekiah, a man of faith, a man of obedience, a man of zeal, and finally, a man of prayer, a man of prayer. Notice the three words near the end of verse 21. Seeking his God, seeking his God. Hezekiah was a man of prayer. He prayed for the people. Chapter 30, verses 18, end of 18, beginning of 19. For Hezekiah had prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek God the Lord. When faced with the threat of Sennacherib and his huge army, Hezekiah sought deliverance, not from some but by some foreign power, but from the Lord Almighty. His prayer in Isaiah 37, verses 14 to 20 is most impressive. Uh, will not read the entire prayer but notice how it begins in verse 15 and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord then verse 20 so now O Lord our God save us from his hand save us from Sennacherib and all his hordes and, and what's the motive why is he asking God to save him and his people that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. He was seeking God's glory and not his own. Then when Hezekiah was very ill, he prayed earnestly to the Lord. That's recorded for us in 2 Kings 20, and verse 2. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He was very, very sick. Who was going to help him? The Lord Almighty. So, Hezekiah, a man of prayer, a man who sought God's help, being motivated for God's glory. I wonder how you could be described this evening. Are you a man of prayer? Are you a woman of prayer? Are you a young person of prayer? Does prayer mark the witness of this congregation? Jesus said in a parable men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Are you inclined to lose heart? Friends, God would have us to keep on praying. To persevere in prayer. Even though it seems that there is no answer from God. The answer will come to those who who wait. Those who keep on praying. So keep on praying. Claiming the promises of God for ourselves and for our children and for our church. And for his kingdom in the world. Keep on praying in the secret place. Keep on praying in family worship. Keep on attending the prayer meetings and participating in prayer. So Hezekiah, what a hero he is to us this evening. What a model of Christian service he sets before us. A man of faith, a man of obedience, a man of zeal and a man of prayer. And then we are told the consequences. In two simple words. He prospered. He prospered. Hezekiah living as a man of faith, a man of obedience, a man of zeal, and a man of prayer was richly blessed by God. I wish you all a happy and prosperous new year. But that wish will be futile, if you're not prepared to be men and women of faith, men and women of obedience, men and women who are zealous for the Lord their God, and men and women who are consistently prayerful. Before Hezekiah came to the throne in Judah, the situation was extremely bleak. But through this one man, this one man of God, The situation was completely transformed. Pray that God will use your life. A life of committed Christian service. To bring about spiritual transformation. In your own heart. And in your own home. And in your own community. And all for the glory of our saviour Jesus Christ. Our covenant king. Amen. Let us call upon the Lord in prayer. Let us stand as we pray. Our Father, we we do thank you that you give us encouragement in the word of God. And what an encouragement King Hezekiah is to us. We know that he was not a perfect man. But we know that he was a good man. A man of faith a man of obedience, a man of zeal, and a man of prayer. And help us, O Lord, to follow his example as he followed the example of the Lord his God. Help us, O Lord, not to be conformed to this world in its ways, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in accordance with the mind and will of Christ. So that, indeed, we will make a mark for good in our generation, in the days through which we are living. No matter how bleak the situation may appear around us, we know that Christ is still on the throne. He's still working out his purposes, and he's working out his purposes through his people, through men and women of faith. So our Father, bless us and help us throughout this year to serve you faithfully. For the glory of your name and the honour of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, through whom we pray. Amen.